Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink! Hey Shyla, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing well. I have the day off. So it's a lunch. I know I'm living the life of luxury today. Uh, But of course my day off has 800 things scheduled for it. But I started it with you. Yeah. And podcasting. So uh, that's pretty awesome. It's been it's been good, yeah. It yeah, is good. so um, as we promised, we were going to start to look at some personality tests. I'm so excited. And, I can't even tell you. <laughs> and rando. So I found this one. Um, it's Life Path Numbers. Yeah. Right? And so this is a seventh lifepath.com. Uh, you literally go on, enter in your birthday, you and do. it gives you a life path number. Jasmine, what's your life path so number? So my life path number is nine, and there is a one through nine. So what it means that I'm nine and not one, I don't know, but I'll take it. <laughs> Although the competitor in me is like, what do you mean I'm number nine? But yeah, so are you ready to hear what nine is? Nine, I yes, can't, And I don't know what it. yours is, so I'm so excited. Okay, so number nine, um, the number nines tend to have a humanitarian and almost a utopian quality to their very being. You can decide if that's true or not, but let me tell you a little bit more of this. Because I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, but Shia can tell me if it's true. But then it says, because of your compassionate, philanthropical nature, you are likely to be drawn toward global issues that deal with helping the whole of humankind in the world. Be wary of overextending yourself, mm. of sacrificing too much of yourself, and losing the greater perspective in the pursuit of your goals, which I totally am that person who can lose perspective based on the goals that I'm getting to. So let's, yeah. before I go into any more of this, what are you? I I am, okay, I'm a three. Mm-hmm. The, like, brief synopsis of uh, that a number three is a very, is a strong vibration, one of creative self-expression, independence, playfulness, and communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's see. They're able to communicate in all areas, both w- written, word, and verbal. Uh, could lead them to become a poet, actor, writer, artist, or musician. Hmm. I mean... How you feeling on I, that? I, I mean, I, I'm none of those things. Um, that's in so fact, true. You play the trumpet. Yeah, well, that's true. But, mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, many writers, radio broadcasters, actors, singers performers and counselors share this life path number so i fall under the counselor and podcaster friend yes so that makes sense i guess so yeah yeah uh where i i feel like i might deviate just slightly is that (laughs) um they tend to be more optimistic yeah i don't know that i'm extremely out i'm i'm often a glass half empty sort of person uh uh, well, inwardly, I outwardly, know. I think I was going to say, project, outwardly, yeah. you're like, we need to solve the problem. Yeah. Okay. Extremely so, generous and yeah. giving souls. I, I am. 100%. Yeah, and are able to find positive in everything around them. Yeah, I think Derek would disagree. <laughs> uh, people like to be around them, not only because of these qualities, but also because threes have a charismatic personality. I'll buy mm-hmm. that. Are great listeners and are very conscious of other people's feelings and emotions. 100% true on that. You they, are very empathetic. Yeah. Oh, empathetic to the point that sometimes we want to put you in a bubble, yeah. right? And so that you don't take down all of the things. So I totally see the counselor nature in this. Yeah. But a little of a stretch. You right. wouldn't read this and be like 100% No. You. The one that gets me is they're more likely to live their life for today and not worry about tomorrow. I call shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're doing that one. Okay. No. You want to hear a little more depth of mind? Yeah. And see if you think it. Because I think so far we buy some of that. Yes. For sure. Okay. So um, those born with the life path number nine are natural leaders, and they assume that they are in charge even if they're not. We know this is true. Okay, right? Absolutely. If in a department store, people think they work there, 
Shyla, I have this happen all the time. Yeah. Like, I have shopping to do this afternoon. I have three stores to go to. I'm telling yeah. you one out of those three, someone is will think I work there. Is it a confidence there. thing? Like, you just carry yourself in a way that, like, people think that, like, you belong there. So. I also will put things back. I'm yeah. not going <laughs> to lie to you. Like, if I find something off the shelf and the shelf is right there, I'm putting it back. Uh, do you, Are you a guilt person with, like, sometimes I just have to leave things on a shelf because, like, I have my kids and I oh, feel terrible. I know terrible. what you mean. Yeah, I totally did this in Lowe's not long I ago. Know, I, I picked something up I and I put it down. I feel bad about that. I do, too. Okay, so the last piece of this is... Um, they take care of everyone else, but need to learn to speak up when they need help, love, and hugs. Hugs? <laughs> What's the last time I was like, Shyla, can you give me a hug? I'm sorry, I'm not that person. Like, it's just not my thing, yeah. okay? Nines often feel unloved and abandoned, or they feel completely responsible for themselves. I'm feeling a little called out. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Like, poor Mark, he'll sometimes be like, hello, there's two of us here, remember? And I'll be like, yeah, I'm not used to asking other people for stuff. So, um, but this is an interesting one. It's hard for them to let go of the past. I wouldn't think that was true for me, except we just had a conversation this morning about do I hold a grudge? Yeah. And I'm not a, like, I'm not a grudge holder for the sake of holding grudges, but, like, it takes a lot for someone to, like, really offend me or really not be, because I see so much value in everybody, yeah. but if they really offend me, I'm done. Like, yeah. it will be, and it's not a grudge. It's just I gave you every chance, and now I'm done right. with it kind of a yeah. deal. So, I don't know. Are we buying this? Do we think this is a thing? <laughs> well, so... Um, yeah. Mine also says that I have a hard time taking responsibility seriously. Oh, that ain't a thing. <laughs> All right, shenanigans on so many levels. The shenanigan meter is high. Is that how we're going to judge uh, these, the shenanigan yeah, meters? Exactly. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, this can sometimes lead to, uh, they, they feel so positive about life, they figure everything will work itself out just fine. I do think that. Yeah. I, I do very, very much live in that. But that can sometimes lead those with a life path of three to live superficially have a lack of direction in their life and procrastinate. I am queen of procrastinate, so there's that, but, but are you, I don't have a I don't have a direction in life. But are yeah. you really or are you just a a just in time get it done? Which I, there's nothing wrong yeah, with. Yeah, I get so, it done. And I, yeah. I you know, there's a lot of times where something is in work in my in my mm-hmm. head. And so it's sometimes just about like getting it out on paper. Right. We, we call those Shyla's brain dumps. We do. Yes. I like a good Shyla brain dump because I'm really good with taking a brain dump and doing something. So yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. Um, my procrastination, as we've talked about before, comes from the fear of failure. Yes. So if I get it out, I might fail. Yes. But if it's still in my head, it's still alive and it's, well. It's right? fine. Yes. The last part of mm-hmm. mine is that when they're hurt emotionally, threes tend to withdraw and become moody and sometimes make biting comments to lash out at people around them. That would be true in my house. I do get mm-hmm. a little like I, I had a situation yesterday where a family called me and that didn't go the way that they wanted it to and like I just felt myself like stewing on that Mm -hmm. and not that I like actually acted out or anything but like it does really chip away at me like Mm -hmm. when when I have negative interactions especially things that like people don't quite understand or like I'm not coming at something because I'm trying to be mean but because unfortunately there are rules around what we do and how we do it. Well and particularly you know do you think that that's because you know that that decision was best for the organization like even if you on a personal level wanted to do something different for those people or they wanted something different that you knew that like your organization could not function if there weren't rules in place right if there weren't guidelines and principles yeah right? and some so, of it's not our mm-hmm. it's not our rules some right. of it's just the rules that exist in in food pantry land and so right. you know food food resource land specifically so mm-hmm. anyway wow. so life path numbers you're a nine i'm a three right me 
I don't know. Yes. Like, I feel a little bit like I feel about horoscopes. In this. Yeah. <laughs> don't come at me, all you horoscope followers. We'll look at that at some point here, too. But, like, I feel like when you read them, you could find what you wanted in them and not what you don't yeah, want to. I feel Mine like was a lot. little eerie, yeah. though. You have to admit. Yeah. The- <laughs> How do you, because this is what I think is actually going to be interesting. I don't trust myself and whether or not this vibrates with me or not. I think you have to decide if it yeah. does and I have to say Because we see each other. We, like... Next to Mark, you know me the most. You yeah. know what I mean? So what do you think? Was that true? Yeah, I I, I can buy some of that. Yeah. yeah. I buy a little of yours. I don't yeah. buy a lot of it. Yeah. You not being responsible? <laughs> no, I don't find that because I would say the opposite. Now, I do think you take on the feelings and your concern with the feelings of others. Like, you take that inwardly yeah. to you. That's true. But that return, that usually goes into taking on responsibility for and not the opposite of that yeah so i yeah. find this interesting yeah i mean hmm. you, you take on you are in charge but i think it's more of, <laughs> of, of a thing where it's not i don't think that you find yourself to be in charge of things i think that people think you're in charge of things which is different i was on a call this week with um some rather high up folks in in an organization that i work with and no one wanted to take the lead on the conversation we'd be given a charge and there was someone there who openly said she doesn't like silence and she was like please somebody do this and i found myself being the facilitator role to the point that they thanked me at the end of facilitating it yeah. even though and it isn't so much that like i felt i had i used to think it was because i had to fill silence now i think it's cuz i see it as inefficient here were very wonderful brains that i didn't want to waste the time of the knowledge right. base we had so yeah so sometimes i feel that because sometimes people want a leader yeah you know and so i choose i pick and choose sometimes when it's not that I'm supposed to, but that was a thing that I was like, we're going to waste all these really smart people if we spend 20 of the 30 minutes deciding right. who's in charge. Yeah, who's going to um, do the, yes. But can like, I make a confession? I feel like that's all I'm doing this season. Every week I'm like, can I make a confession? Um, <laughs> my confession this week is that I really have a thing about against taking notes right now. Mm. I really feel like, and Mark is not, he doesn't like when I express it this way, I really feel like girls should not always be looked at to be the ones who mm-hmm. take notes. And I'm struggling mm-hmm. with this right now. So I'm becoming like, I'll be in charge of the discussion, but I'm not taking those notes. Yeah. No, it's definitely something mm-hmm. that yeah we talk about this a lot. That mm-hmm. like you just because you're the 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 person in the room. Should I say it like certain, I normally say it? Certain body parts. Should I say it like I normally do? Should I be that person? <laughs> just because I have a vagina doesn't mean I'm the only one who can move a pencil. Exactly. Like you know, yeah. But it's this mm-hmm. idea that we've been the person shepherding and hurting things and and being the assistance to all of this. And you know, I reject that. And being the curator of the content, mm-hmm. even though you're not the leader who gets the who's in charge. And I think that's unfair. Does it make sense? And I'm not talking about credit. I just mean that natural assumption. You know, people are still making the assumption that if there's a president of something or there's a leader of something that it's a male. And that's not true. I mean, we see that every week of our lives that we're interviewing amazing people, um, much like our guests this week. Um, Our guest, Heather, this week, um, I had the great joy of of, uh, being a judge for um, an event that she was um, holding uh, through her her organization um, a few months back in a very completely socially distanced, extremely COVID responsible um, atmosphere. And I instantly knew that she was someone that we should interview um, because she instantly posed herself as the leader of this organization who was the visionary, who was strategic in it. Um, And it's funny because it kind of came out, she was vamping while they were getting together the the results for this this competition and while she was doing it she was explaining the mission of of revival and their their production uh, company and what they do and i was like this is a leader like this yeah. is 
a leader and people need to hear from her. So yeah. I, I ran home and te- she, I think I texted you when I got in the car. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. She was a great interview and someone mm-hmm. who doesn't mince words, which I appreciate. She did. Your uh, kindred spirits yeah, in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I liked her, her uh, candor and, mm-hmm. and ability to just kind of call things the way that they are. And, you know, that's not always a bad thing and it's not meant to make people feel bad, but organizations run with efficiency when you have mm-hmm. efficient people doing it. And when you have people who don't quite understand their role as a board member or as a staff to a, an organization and what the mission supports, then you, that's where you run into trouble, right? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, and it was really exciting for me that I had met Heather before, but I got to introduce you to her and this idea of hooking the two of you up because I think we sincerely were like, this is an organization that we can't wait to support and see where they go. So on a personal level, it was great to meet Heather and support the person, mm-hmm. but the mission of what they're doing and how they were built it was really neat for me to watch you guys have this conversation and and for us to have the excitement for really where they're gonna go and so i'm so excited for our clinkers to get to meet heather and revival productions and all that they have coming yeah and the 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 takeaway for this week you know Mm -hmm. i think one of the things that we want to do is build actionables to our podcast um if you don't have a 30 second elevator pitch for Mm -hmm. what you do and how you do it do it Right. Put it down. Commit it. Commit it to to what what you uh, you know how you talk about your organization, or if you're a board member or you support an organization, talk about what that means to you mm-hmm. and, and figure that out, and you'll get to hear Heather's thirty second elevator pitch. Yeah, because yeah. if you can't advocate for you, yes, and you can't say the passion for it, and why you put you know your time and your money and your resources behind it, then you can't get other people to yeah. support that. And so there's a belief system that comes there. Heather believes in what she's doing for her community, and it, with that, it's infectious. Yep. Uh, absolutely. So, so excited to share uh, her input and uh, and her her uh, thoughts with everyone. Yeah. Hey, Shyla, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm so excited. We had our yeah. our normal uh, podcasting dinner tonight, mm-hmm. which was simply Greek. It so, was so good. You know, like that's a, a thing. It's our thing. Um, but uh, we're excited to to interview our, our guest. Go ahead. You, I am. You I'm super excited. Yeah. So I had the great opportunity to meet Heather a few months back. Um, you know, I sympathize with those who are trying to keep theater going, inspiring mm. our children through theater, inspiring our communities through it, and to keep it going during COVID. And Heather did a wonderful event where she kept everything so incredibly COVID safe and had me come and judge a contest. And through that, we got to meet and I got to be introduced to her and I knew instantly. I literally walked up to her yeah. afterwards and I was like, hey, we hey. do this podcast and I would love <laughs> to have you come and, we and pray share on anybody with us. Who's willing. I was. I was like, I said it's the perfect fit and she was agreeable and here we are. Yay. So so Yay. welcome. Yay. Welcome, Heather, Thank to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. So welcome. for I'm our so listeners, excited. I'm so yeah. glad. For our listeners, could you kick off by giving a little bit of an introduction of yourself so they could get to know you as I have? Yeah, so my name is Heather Grayberg, and I am a wife and a mother, and I am a professional director and choreographer mm-hmm. and actress and all of those lovely things that come with that. Um, and yeah, I about three years ago, I started a company called Revival Productions in Coatesville, PA, because I felt a very strong need for arts and culture in the community. And, you know, I went from, it was kind of at the same time, a personal growth for myself as well as for the community. I had gone from performing professionally around the country to suddenly being at home, breastfeeding a baby, Mm -hmm. and my whole world was rocked. And, um, yeah, the the word revival came to me. I've been praying about what the next phase of my life was. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked that this new town that I was living in, um, I'm not originally from Coatesville. I'm originally from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. 
just felt like that word revival had its place. So um, I, I consider myself an arts um, activist, a, a leader, and really just, just mover and shaker. That's, that's awesome, awesome right? It's that's fantastic. So, so fascinating what happens when right? you have a child. Like, I was never going to mm-hmm. be a stay-at-home mom or never wanted to be or would want to be. Not that I was ever able to do that, but, yeah, it's interesting you're, what happens when you does. have the actual baby in your hand and you're like, oh. and how yes. you let And how you let that guide <laughs> yeah. your life. And yeah. I think that was one of the things I loved so much about meeting you that, that night, Heather, was you were so giving to your path and saying, I didn't necessarily know what was going to come next, but I was going to be an active participant in that. And not only yes. were you active, you looked at what your life needed and what you needed, but also what your community needed. So can you talk a little bit about that, about, you know, what your hope is through Revival Productions for Coatesville, what it is you're mm-hmm. hoping to bring there, and kind of a little bit more about the unique programming that you do. Yes, yeah, so Coatesville First of all, I should say that I have a heart for it because it reminds me a lot of my hometown of Bridgeton, New Jersey. Actually, they have a lot of... Um, similarities as far as poverty levels and kinds of engagement opportunities and development opportunities going on right now from an economic perspective and job perspective. But I really think that I always believe that we should be good neighbors. And for some of us, that means maybe just taking out our elderly neighbor's trash or mowing their lawn. And for some of us, that means creating an arts and culture hub, (laughs) which is what I ended up doing. And I always say it wasn't something I aspired to do. This wasn't a dream of mine. It was a calling. And there's a very distinct difference Mm -hmm. between a dream and a calling. I am living my dreams in many ways. But my dreams shifted because we get older and life changes, mm-hmm. right? And like you've got just, these little it, faces that look at you and your dream becomes their dream and the best environment for mm-hmm. their dreams, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it was about creating the best community for my children and knowing that that is also the hope for every parent and guardian and, and family member. They really just want to create the best environment possible. So... From a practical standpoint, I saw that there was a lot of redevelopment initiatives going on in Coatesville, and there had been some, I mean, for a long time, 20 plus years, they've been doing all this revitalization stuff, and things weren't really happening. But I do have experience in the past with theater revitalization and what it means for the economics of a community, and, you know, the arts are an economic driver for Mm -hmm. communities Mm -hmm. because anytime someone comes to see a show or concert or exhibit or something, you know, they're going to go out to eat. They're going to go shop at boutiques. They're going to go park and get gas and, you know, do all of these things. And there was nothing truly setting Coatesville as a tourist destination. Everyone was leaving to go do other things versus coming there or staying there. And we also have all these surrounding townships and nobody was going into the city proper to engage Mm -hmm. with anything. Not that there aren't things here. It's just that it was kind of, um, it felt like a dead end. So I, you know, decided to meet with um, one of the county officials who is in charge of the redevelopment of Coatesville just to see what the sense of arts and culture was. And she said, there really isn't one. Mm-hmm. Um, and gave me there a couple of contacts. There is opportunity here, yeah. right? Yeah. There is opportunity. But, you know, she she really did make a good point about dovetailing. Is there anybody else that I can align with? So she gave me a list of a few names. And, of course, that webbed out from there. But nobody was looking to do what I wanted to do. And, and of course, the vision has shifted. The vision has always been the same. The mission has shifted over the years. So 
you know, we always wanted to be an economic catalyst for the community. We always wanted to create jobs, which arts and culture organizations have the great opportunity to do. But most importantly, where arts and culture abounds, we have a quality of life. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important thing to me. And, you know, we have value in the arts. So, you know, you have the challenge of wanting to be this champion for the arts and making it happen. But then there's, you know, this really big, um, the bigger challenge is making it accessible for everyone, everybody, because the arts cost money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a professional, I'm, I have a degree and I'm currently getting my master's, you know, we have to pay the people who are mm -hmm. producing this and using their skills. Like it's just, it's a mm -hmm. cycle, right? So uh, one thing that we have been hyper aware of is having, you know, varying pricing throughout the year. Some events are free and pay what you can. And some events might go $60 or upwards if mm -hmm. it's, you know, a dinner theater event or that kind of thing. And it's also not just doing theater. Um, I don't want anyone to think that the arts are this elitist thing. But right. in a given mm -hmm. season, we have, you know, we have musicals and plays, but of all varieties, I, I have a general template that I follow. But doing things like Talent Slam, mm -hmm. uh, which you were at, um, and it was, and, and it was amazing. Giving, it was such a showcase of such a variety of talents. And I loved right. it because I learned about your organization through and through the, the types of classes that you had and the type of productions you were you were looking to do. And to be able to be exposed to these, these it wasn't just, just children. I mean, it was people of all ages. It was little kids. It was big kids. It was all mm. kinds of things going on. Right. And it was really neat to see that variety. And I don't know that all arts organizations think about the variations like that that they right. could provide. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I'm studying all of this right now in school and I'm, I'm very passionate about arts accessibility, but most importantly, arts leadership. And I think that a lot of times we take the artist and we put them, and this is in any industry, not just mm -hmm. the arts, but we take the doer and we put them into leadership positions that they're not necessarily equipped to mm -hmm. do. We were just so, having this conversation. <laughs> you have no idea how on brand you are right now. Heather, I, think <laughs> we, I think we could be besties. I'm, I, I I'm telling you, I, so I'm literally there. She's vamping until they're bringing the results back. And I'm like, I have to, I have to find her. This is done because I was like, I'm like, we found more of our people. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No, but it, but it's a real yeah. problem because mm -hmm. myself as an artist, the art that I personally love and gravitate to is musical theater and straight mm -hmm. theater. And, you know, I have to recognize, though, that the people of Coatesville aren't, by a majority, probably going to want to see Carousel the Musical. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have variety in your programming so that way you can develop an affinity for arts and culture and then they'll want to come see those things. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, it's, it's about appreciation at the end of the day, having something that I can go and appreciate as the consumer and, you know, realizing that, you know, I'm going, I want to see myself on stage mm -hmm. and, you know, we're in a prominently minority community. I don't want to come into a community and say, this is what you need to have success. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's embracing the people that are there and the kind of things that they want to see, but then also, you know, just kind of making it a melting pot of arts and culture opportunities. Mm -hmm. And really letting the community, it sounds like you're, you want the community to really define what that arts and culture is. Yeah. You're not looking to come yes. in and say, this is now what I'm going to give you. Yeah. You're saying, help me develop this this place where we can support each other to create these wonderful things, to create an appreciation for something. You know? Yes, and, and that's Revival a very has certainly approach. changed mm -hmm. like tremendously. Like We went in thinking it was going to be one thing, and it's changed dramatically. And a lot of that was in finding 
finding our venue because mm-hmm. for the first two years we operated out of an old middle school mm-hmm. and uh and it was very sporadic we didn't even have keys to the place we couldn't get there when we needed to and you know in theater yeah. like <laughs> it's 24 so much yeah you're, it's you're painting it in the morning <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. exactly it's behind the scenes like people mm-hmm. think that it's so easy like oh you just go in there and do a show like i'm sorry it's not like mm-hmm. that at all you know Let's put um, on a show so, uh, you know. how often do we yeah, talk just about put like, on the show yeah the underbelly of like things right well like, it's just so, so easy much. to open a food pantry and do the thing yeah, it's so yes. easy to open a theater and have production oh, just put like, on a show and i'm there's like there's a no. whole bunch of shit that needs to happen absolutely that, like <laughs> politics and <laughs> money and all of these things oh like, my yeah, gosh yeah, and that's yeah. you know that's the stuff that keeps me up at night for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, so did you lease that space? Like, or did you rent that space, or were you just being? We allowed are currently to use that space? leasing it. Okay. It's actually amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we we were allowed to use the middle school space, okay. but mm-hmm. at the same time, an investor came to us. This was after operating. Actually, we had been operating for exactly one year. An mm-hmm. investor approached us and said that they had actually done another project in Westchester, which. Um, is a much more prominent community. Westchester University Mm -hmm. is located there. And they wanted to do a similar project in Coatesville, but they wanted to come alongside of us Mm -hmm. because we were already here doing the thing, experiencing the difficulties that come with it. That's a great, like, I'm doing the right thing. If if an investor comes to you and says, we want in. And we want to support what you're doing. That's awesome. That's that's a really good confidence Right, and you know, I do feel like many times there we've been like, you know, throwing up our hands like, this isn't gonna work. We're gonna call it quits. Then something, Mm drops in and validates that we should be here Keep still that. doing mm-hmm. what we're doing and mm-hmm. um so you know we went it was from there it was a good te- and we'd already been looking but for 10 months we looked for a venue mm-hmm. and we were really focusing on the shows and um you know eventually we do have a phase two but you know we were fa- uh, focusing on the shows where can we do productions etc cetera, etc cetera. and we were just coming up with nothing mm-hmm. like we we almost signed on the dotted line for one venue in town and then it ended up not working out and that was definitely a gut punch so mm-hmm. we we're kind of like what's next and um i was emailing with the the main investor who i've been talking with this entire time i said how about we just contact the head of redevelopment authority just to see if there's anything else that we haven't thought of now meanwhile at the same time someone had been emailing about us uh-huh. so it's like we were all kind of like talking about each other and then they put us all on one thread Two days later, we came to the venue, and um, it's actually the property where we're at. It's three different parcels. There's an old church, an old mm-hmm. Catholic church. The venue which we're currently in, which is the old Catholic school, and then there's a rectory next door. And um, you know, we we ended up changing our business plan a little bit because the venue that we're currently in. We now have the Revival Performing Arts Conservatory mm-hmm. in addition to Revival Productions. So at our venue, we have three large dance studios, private lesson rooms, offices, and then we have a 150-seat black box theater. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a part of the plan. The plan was to do you know, the main venue first and then have something like this, but it went in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. and it's actually been completely ideal. Well, and one uh, seems to be feeding the other. Yeah. You know, just from yes. the, the little bit of time that I spent with you, I could tell just from the discussions happening kind of around me that the conservatory is feeding into productions, that productions are making more excitement for the conservatory. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now you have this wonderful sort of micro-community of its own infusing your community, which is awesome. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, phase two is coming, right? Right? The mm-hmm. pandemic, where we're, our investors are still 
um, hoping to fundraise and do a capital campaign for that larger venue someday. And, you know, not knowing exactly what that's all going to look like, but, you know, we will have that larger venue. Um, I'm, I'm going to claim it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we want to do touring acts. We want a variety and, yeah. and it can't all be self-produced. That's right. impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, here, and that's really the great opportunity to hear what the community wants. What com comedians do you like? Mm -hmm. What kind of um, tribute bands do you like? But the amazing thing is that we've already attracted so many people to Coatesville because of what we're doing. Uh, I mean, it's really staggering. I had someone, this was actually two years ago. She, it, this was a mother. She said, I've lived in Coatesville for, or I'm sorry, I've lived in Chester County for 20 years and I've never been to Coatesville. Mm -hmm. Because she didn't, I didn't have a reason. To. Wow. She didn't have a reason to go, right? And now you're exactly. creating that reason. Yeah. So and there are so many other champions doing things around mm -hmm. the community. And it, yeah. it, the quality of life is going to go up. It is a qualified opportunity zone, which is a government-funded program. And uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited to see the future of not just Revival, but the entire city in the next five years or so. Yeah. So if I was a betting woman, I would say that you're kind of type A. You were on our um, call. 100%. You were on our call six minutes we early. We love it. Mm -hmm. Which was great. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering how your type A personality and I'm sure your planning and, you know, it, what is that uh, Eisenhower's uh, um, quote is, um, planning is everything, plans are nothing. Mm -hmm. um, how does that fit into your personality with, you know, you had this having idea. Having to be flexible. You force had this idea yeah. and there was forced flexibility. Forced flexibility. And, and how, how have you adapted to that and how have you tolerated that? Yeah, well, I have certainly grown tremendously and in ways that I never even thought I'd have to stretch myself with starting all of this. I mean, if you think about it, when I started this entire endeavor about three years ago, I was nursing a baby during board meetings. I have two, I have two daughters now. I was nursing my second child. They're only a year and a half apart. Mm -hmm. So I was literally in board meetings nursing <laughs> and going to work, you know, and just trying to juggle it all. And um, as a type A person, I... Gosh, it, it, it's tricky because sometimes I'd rather just do everything myself. Uh -huh. Oh, we preach. Because... Preach, preach, preach. We understand. We're throwing our hands up. We've 100. It's, and it's hard. It's hard to trust yeah. off to other people, especially when you know what you have in mind, right? You can already envision yes. what you expect that to be, yeah. right? Well, so, and the great yeah. challenge, too, mm -hmm. is like, you know, I came from an organization that, that be, was was small kind of in nature and has grown into this kind of monstrosity and it's hard giving up your baby in mm -hmm. some way like you know we we have grown in really great ways but when you get to a point where you're like I literally can't do it all but I don't know how to ask somebody right. to do this because we've I've always done it and I've well and how do you ask somebody to and, give 10,000 yeah. percent when you've been doing that right yeah. and so you wind up mm -hmm. like it's funny though can I make a confession COVID's allowed me to take some things back. Oh. I know, but mm. I but I did it. I was like, you know what? It's complicated right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna pull that one back to me. And I right. I know no, I, totally I know it. that very soon I'm gonna have to go back the yeah. other direction because I'm not gonna be able to handle it all. But for right now, I was like, I need a little control and I can do this. So that's my that's my confession. Yeah. Everybody can hear it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so uh, as a nonprofit organization, Revival has a few things that are different than just a corporate structure mm -hmm. or business. One that um, you are the, I'm sorry, you're the executive artistic producer. Is that mm -hmm. right? Did I get it right? Yes, um, that and, is correct. And then you have a couple of staff who you manage. They're kind of under you in hierarchy. Is that right? 
And Correct. then you have a board of directors. So you have a yes. board of directors, 11 strong, which mm-hmm. 11 personalities that can be, that can be a <laughs> 11 challenge. visions, uh, which is good. Yeah. yeah. Right? So boards can be, um, you know, they can be great. They can be mediocre or they can be kind of a drag. And that, you know, sometimes can be a challenge. How did you go about selecting your board members uh, for your, your venture here? Right. So I will say that right now, my current board is completely different than the board that I started with. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, like I'm thankful for the people that I started with, but knowing what I know now, I would probably have selected differently. Uh, You know, for me, every single board especially in this day and age, it needs diversity. Mm-hmm. Don't come to me with a board of all white people. Mm-hmm. And that's what we had. And when we came into this next board cycle, we suddenly have this new building, which we never had before. We have a lot more financial liability. We have a lot more responsibility and, you know, a lot of heat, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to keep things going. And, you know, I was, I, I knew I needed diversity. So, I had like five or six, sometimes seven people on my boards before. Um, there would often, you know, sometimes be like bickering. And one thing I didn't like is that the board was always a yes board. Mm-hmm. It was, okay, whatever I said, mm-hmm. everyone always wanted, which is and great. And sometimes but that's the because same... they're not plugged in in the right ways that you want them to be. Right. Or they just makes, inherently yeah. trust that what right. you're doing is yeah. fine. And that trust is <laughs> it's awesome. It's always been fine. It's been so. great. It's fine. You're, especially when you're in a time of growth and change. Yes. They're like, oh, we're yes. growing, we're changing. You must be yeah. doing great things. And you're yeah. like, Yes, but I really need someone to help yeah. me think another Balance way. My, myself. Yeah, right. I yeah. hear you. So it's yeah. not always a good thing. Yeah. Right. Right, right. And so, and that's why I felt like it was just always, yeah. And then, you know, it takes a lot of dedication, particularly in a startup. So we had a lot of people cycle in and out those first two years because it is a particularly um, heavier load in those mm-hmm. first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, and I do feel that where we are now is extremely strong. We have diversity on the board. We have a lot of different minds and it's not just arts mm-hmm. minded people. Mm-hmm. They're appreciators of the arts, but we have to have people who, you know, we have actually our landlord is on our board, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he applied. So that was, um, just very, shocking but also exciting because mm-hmm. he brings with him a tremendous amount of knowledge my father-in-law is also on the board he's our cfo and i actually asked him oh gosh it was almost two years ago now because he was doing a lot of work that my board members weren't doing mm-hmm. and i said you know he he was dedicated he was there he was showing up for things and i was like you know what who better now mind you it has made things a little bit challenging but (laughs) but we're we're getting better about like separating family and revival and you know it's just really hard with a startup um ultimately you know as the board president and, and executive artistic producer i have to manage not just the personalities but you know the hierarchy of needs what's important for one person isn't mm-hmm. going to be important to the next mm-hmm. but it's important to gauge and prioritize the entire organization thankfully you know they're usually always on my side but they challenge my thinking or say how about you do this a different way mm-hmm. and i went from having like i said like five yes people to all of a sudden having 11 people who don't <laughs> always agree with what i'm going to do mm-hmm. or yeah. you know um or cause me to shift my thinking and but I, but I we are stronger for it that is why we've been able to make such big strides in the past couple of months even in particular um 
especially with navigating COVID, which mm-hmm. is like a whole new yeah. level. Next level. Well, stress. And, and yeah. you've done it. You, you know, I was really impressed, Heather, with your not only your ability to to continue to have theater. I mean, that sounds like such an easy thing. Figure out a way to, to have yeah. it in the middle of all to do this. It. But, yeah. you know, with such incredible procedure and quite honestly, sort of like unapologetically saying, no, we can do this with such confidence. And so can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you pivoted to to making sure that you could keep things going during COVID? Some theaters have it, right? Mm -hmm. Some arts organizations, theater and beyond, have said, we're just going to shut her up for a little bit here and hope that we can make it through. And and I think you knew that that was not going to be the path for you. Well, and speak a little bit to relevancy. Like, how do you keep yourself relevant? Mm -hmm. How do some of these theaters come out of this having not done anything during all of this? And still have their name out there. Yeah. Right. So, So how did you guys approach that with, with really big question. How are we Sorry, do we did it was. That. No, that's a no, it's a, it's a it's excellent question. Mm-hmm. It's a really excellent question. I kept telling myself and my board, I want when all of this resolves and every single person is, is comfortable with coming back to the theater again, I want revival to be the first place that they think of. Mm-hmm. And if we fell off the radar, mm-hmm. then nobody's even gonna know we're here yep. and we're gonna fizzle out before we get going. Yep. Now, we did. Um, we did not do any shows that we planned in December because mm-hmm. of the government shutdown, the second Absolutely. one that they had. Sure. Now, we did open our doors in July, but we did all of our summer camps. We have not had a single outbreak of COVID here. Oh, come on. Um, oh, come no on. one has gotten sick as a result <laughs> of being here. So we temperature check people, we have them wear masks. And, you know, I like to say we're creatively adaptive. Mm-hmm. Um, we even opened up what we call our Fine and Performing Arts Cohort Academy, which is where students come here every single day to do their cyber learning. Mm-hmm. And then we give them arts classes every single day because we needed to make money. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. needed to make money. And, and some parents needed a place for their children to go. But, you you know, mm-hmm. we wanted to make it accessible. So, you know, theaters, I, I'm i going to sound probably really hard about it, but, you know, I understand that it's not feasible for every single theater to be open. And I think that a lot of the choices are not being informed by, um, like, scientific mm-hmm. choice. I agree. It's, it's coming because from of cancel. Yeah. It's coming from fear and cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And I won't lie, like I, we haven't had an outbreak here and I've had COVID to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Like I actually got it in the very beginning of January. I didn't get it from here. Mm-hmm. Nobody else had it. And I didn't give it to anybody here because we had procedures in place. Mm-hmm. Um, But no, I was afraid of cancel culture because I did have one person try to attack me on the internet Mm -hmm. because I was doing, we did push it back to May, but Ruby, the story of Ruby Mm -hmm. Bridges, a musical, they tried to attack me and saying that I was jeopardizing the lives of minorities by trying to capitalize on this story. And I'm like... That's a reach. <laughs> I'm trying to share um, the story yeah. and help. I'm trying to share yeah. the story. So I, that and came out of like the idea. What well, there's been a lot of press around how minority populations have had a higher level mm-hmm. of COVID and less access to the vaccine. So you can understand where right. sort of that idea came sure, from. But, but then to like project that onto somebody else seems right. like mm-hmm. you know that there's there's a lot of fear embedded in all of that. That's tough. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you know, and but we do have to adapt in that we are you know streaming things and we have. Um, we've done performances with masks Mm -hmm. and we also are now, now that it's, I also said like, once we get to April, we are doing shows. Mm -hmm. I can't, this is our business. Every other industry has seemed to figure it out how to adapt, but we haven't. And 
theater has to come back mm-hmm. or it, it can, it's, it's not that it's going to die out. Art never dies out, but you have to think about how to do it strategically. So we have streaming for the people who aren't comfortable with coming. Um, Sweeney Todd, they actually didn't have streaming rights available. Mm-hmm. So we did a simulcast to the backyard for people who did not feel comfortable with being in the theater. Mm-hmm. So we had people sitting in a tent watching it on a big screen TV. And then we also had people inside distanced apart and we fumigated it intermission. Like we have procedures in place and, you know, for me, like, I feel like I have been more unsafe going to stores and things in the last year mm-hmm. than I would have ever felt being at the theater. Mm-hmm. But if someone, you know, I have to think of the most cautious person and the person who, you know, we do require everyone to wear their mask, but there's some people who, you know, would yeah. rather not. But, you know, that's something that we've set into place. So, you know, at the end of the day, I have had to kind of bury down like the the critics saying you know Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be doing things like Mm -hmm. you know it's too dangerous Mm -hmm. etc etc and i say don't come we'll be here when you're back but we have extremely strict procedures Mm -hmm. in place to make it happen yeah and we've done it right it's the man in the ring it is it's the critic who's not doing the thing that gets to be the voice that's right exactly i i have told people over and over again i was like if they were in my position or Mm -hmm. any other theater now you know, other theaters that are larger, for example, they might need to sell 750 seats a show to break even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And therefore, it is not going to make sense for them to operate. I think that a lot of those choices might have been, uh, to operate or not might have come from financial mm-hmm. perspective. Is, sure. it, is it less expensive sure. to be open or not? But ultimately from the fear and the cancel culture. I think COVID's very real. I take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to get it. Um, no, I and even it. I was, was unbelievably awful, but... impressed with, you know, the procedures you had in place. I wouldn't have participated. I wouldn't have come. Yeah. And, you know, you guys were, were very clear with me that, you know, I was going to be one of three people completely spaced out in this space where the performers were going to be, their procedures that they were going to have their masks, that this is what they did to, you know, to sanitize the microphones in between. Like, you had the procedures in place and you were willing to communicate about them. There was no secret about what it was you know and I just I remember just thinking about how I I really thought that that was such confidence came from it so that revival was going to be a name I remembered do you know what I mean because of the confidence you showed because rather than saying I'll see you on the flip side which is not practical for your business you won't be there if this happens instead you were saying um, I'm going to do all these things to make mm-hmm. sure we're doing this responsibly, you know, and think and thinking things in a different way. Yeah. I have a production of the Rock of Ages that I'm to direct this summer. And I said, you know, what a great show that if we need to be outside, we'll be outside. Like, yeah. let's yep. stop thinking about, oh, I don't know if we can do and figure out right. how we can how do, we can you know, yeah. um, you know, exactly that kind of thing. So it's interesting, especially when you talk about the size of theaters, you know, when with with Broadway, you know, wait, holding off to open, they have to. That's a completely mm-hmm. different venue than we have in our local community and pieces and we can't we have to treat them each individually to what the needs and procedures need to be for here you know and to stay relevant like you said art is not going to go away but you want people to think you know especially you were building towards a community development piece that's a very different vision yeah than than where some community what some community aspect arts organizations are yeah right now right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so heather i'm wondering how how do you approach fundraising because this is you know this Mm -hmm. is a big question about you know you 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 express that you're both the the 
ED, well, not ED, you're the uh, executive <laughs> arts producer, but you're also the president of your board. And that means you're kind of, well, you, you run a lot of roles, right? So you're kind of the main yes. bottle washer, but you're also the person who's out in public mm-hmm. and the person who is, ex, you know, kind of responsible for raising Live, funds. Live, eating, breathing, and, all of it. Absolutely. You know, all of that yes. stuff. So, how do you communicate that expectation to your board? Um, and how do you communicate the expectation to your community that you can't survive on air alone, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right. No, you're right. Yeah. It's, um, well, the arts are, um, I can't remember what the very least funded type of nonprofit organization is, but they're the second least funded yeah. <laughs> arts uh, organizations of all nonprofits. And it's because people don't see it as a vital thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not putting food mm-hmm. on the table, but we are by jobs. And, you know, we're doing all these kinds of things. So at the end of the day, like I'm advocating for several things. I'm advocating for the arts in general. I'm fundraising. I am um, advocating for arts education and then also for the shows that we're doing. So there's four components here and they can be really tricky to get between them all. Uh, About five months ago, I finally said to my board, I cannot be in charge of the fundraising anymore mm-hmm. i cannot do it obviously like i'll guide the ship and i'm gonna I'm talk gonna and i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna, gonna be the one with the yep. mission statement sure but it's like the grant writing and the constant sponsorship mm-hmm. pools i said you can make any appointment with me and i will go on it mm-hmm. i will pitch revival but i can't be sourcing it all because i have to run these shows and i have mm-hmm. to work on the educational programming and I, I just can't do it anymore. So we hired a fundraise, um, fundraising consultant, and it actually aligned great. We we go to church together, and she had been wanting to go out on her own as a consultant. Mm-hmm. She had worked for several organi- many organizations over the years, um, but she never particularly fundraised, fundraised for the arts, so it was kind of a, a neat fit. And she already got us $15,000, <laughs> so that was great. amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, grant funding has been, I mean, all funding has been really tricky with COVID mm-hmm. because we think of human services and that's what people mm-hmm. are going to yeah. donate to uh the and in, in some regards like the arts it's like oh we feel bad that they're not operating right now so we had to be creatively adaptive you know we we um we live on grants we live on sponsors for our shows mm-hmm. and we have some really big sponsorship ca- campaigns going the city of coatesville has actually come alongside of us and we're planning a banner campaign for banners to go down Wonderful. through town with our season yeah. and, and featuring sponsors and then personal donors of course you know that's huge you're you're going to get most of your um your income as far as fundraising income through individual mm-hmm. donors and yeah. and matching that and and that's um, and, and matching people to programs that they're passionate about. Like, are you passionate about putting a kid through summer camp? Here's our scholarship fund. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it all ends up benefiting Revival, but you're particularly benefiting lives. Um, or, you know, the organization um, is asking for a sponsor for a show. And, and you know, this would be a great fit for this show. And you mm-hmm. can put your name above it and all that jazz. Um, you know, it's tricky. But the other good thing about being you know a a theater performing arts company is that we don't operate like traditional nonprofits all the time um, because we have goods and services so Mm -hmm. even though we're a nonprofit model and we have Mm -hmm. sponsors and donors and all those kinds of things we operate more like a for-profit in that we have a product we sell the product Mm -hmm. we get money back for the product but the reality is if we wanted to make money on the product alone 
we'd be selling like two hundred dollar tickets, right. and we're not going and to we sell two hundred dollar tickets. Well, and and I always <laughs> I always make the the assertion that we live nonprofits live in a world where we think we should function as nonprofits, and that gives us the right to be a business as a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and and that's simply not true, right? Mm-hmm. What we know mm-hmm. is that a nonprofit status means that you're tax exempt. That's not a business model. No, and so right. I would say that you're doing the right thing, right? Absolutely. In some ways mm-hmm. of you know operating your business, it's a business. It's, it is a business. It's, it's it has just, to be able yes. to be. It has to be sustainable. Yeah. And I think that's my right. biggest frustration that happens, whether it's an arts uh, organization, nonprofit, or it's something else, is that at the end of the day, if mm-hmm. we are not, if the vision isn't strong enough that it's something that should live on in perpetuity, yeah. then we are not looking at it as having a sustainable future. Then it shouldn't exist. If right. we think it honestly needs a sustainable future, then we have to think of it as a business. Right. It has right. to, at the end of the day, be able to continue to go on, and that means money. Right. Something has right. to turn on yeah. the lights in the ballet studio. Yeah. Something has to be able to pay for the rights for the next show something has to pay for the nails that hang the artwork on the wall and so you know so that people can see it so they can experience it and And if if you're a part of a board and you don't feel like you can make the then you shouldn't be on that board then you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be on that board and we and we encourage all of our board members to (laughs) donate i even say like you know Mm -hmm. i want to see a minimum 250 dollar donation from my board members minimum Mm -hmm. every year and you know they are charged with going out to the community and getting sponsors and getting donors you know it's it can't just be one person mm-hmm. we are all advocates and and representatives of this organization and the reality is i do not own revival productions mm-hmm. and some days that kills me because nobody owns a nonprofit the only benefactors are the community mm-hmm. of any nonprofit organization mm-hmm. so therefore we have to charge the community hey do you want this to exist, then mm-hmm. we need to invest in it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not investing just with dollars, but investing in time. Absolutely. If someone can come here and volunteer their time where I otherwise would have been spending dollars, mm-hmm. then that helps me, you know, mm-hmm. in one way or another. And, you know, I will say, like, the advocacy piece is probably the trickiest. Um, especially in a community like Coastal, but anywhere, mm-hmm. every organization is and even before COVID, like I'm, I'm studying some really large organizations right now that you would never mm-hmm. think are struggling financially. And there's a really, really big one that I'm working mm-hmm. on right now. And they had a deficit of eight million dollars the year before COVID. They had a deficit, a deficit of seven million dollars the mm-hmm. uh, the year before that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's only sustainable and, for so long. Yeah. you will not be here. This keeps going. Yeah. Like, and then that's exactly. not help anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I know that like at times revival we have cash flow issues, but I'm like, I can't imagine going to bed every night with mm-hmm. an eight million dollar deficit ahead of me like I do not know how I would exist (laughs) like it would be so hard and you know and going back to the type a thing it is hard for me sometimes to know that you know payroll is gonna be really hard to meet and like is rent Mm -hmm. gonna get paid next month and because I do know that the model works especially right now with COVID nothing is normal right um and as a perfectionist I really have to like sometimes step aside from it say you know you're doing all you can Mm -hmm. sometimes the conditions around us don't yield the best results but how can you adapt Mm um one thing i would jasmine you you were talking about vision a lot i I like to as an arts leader and and something i'd love to do eventually is consult Mm -hmm. with arts organizations but all nonprofit organizations there's a difference between vision and mission Mm -hmm. the vision is why you exist Mm -hmm. and the mission is what you do to exist and and the how you do Mm -hmm. it so you know the vision for revival was to better the community being an academic catalyst and all these things but our mission is to provide the coatesville pa area with excellent professional and affordable live entertainment 
and arts education. I'm looking, because I'm always, you know, looking at my quote unquote competition because mm -hmm. it's real. Um, and I'm seeing them, I'm seeing them doing things right now that even though it's COVID, it is like way out there. It is not mm -hmm. in alignment with their vision or with their mission at all. It's like survival mm -hmm. mode. And I totally get that. But then you're going to cause brand confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've had to this entire time say, okay, what aligns with my mission? And if something is posed, it's like, okay, nonprofit, if there's another nonprofit I can partner with to do this, then maybe, or maybe I can pass this idea off mm -hmm. to another nonprofit. Because but sticking on brand, sticking yeah. on mission, sticking on yes. vision and is important to you. being mission focused. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, bar none, are you mm -hmm. living out your mission? That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's you know, it. Shaila and I often talk about when we have a really challenging decision to make for our organizations, we, we really lean into that mission and say, does this, does, is this decision going to help further the mission? Then even if it was a slight misstep, it could not be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Is it going to hurt the mission? Is it going to go against? If it's going to go against it, or you think it's slightly going to, it is the wrong decision then, mm -hmm. because you have to be true to who you are. You yep. just you, and, and right. who your organization is absolutely. Yeah, and there's another mm -hmm. organization that we partner with quite a lot. They're called Aha Arts Holding Hands and Hearts, and you know they do. They're in the community and they do. Um, arts and literacy and yoga and mindfulness and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we are a donation hub for their lending library stations. Mm -hmm. We have all their, their books here. We've partnered with them on the, on things. And again, it, they don't do programming that I want to do right. yeah. <laughs> and they aren't, they aren't doing the program that we want to do, but sometimes they intersect and you know, mm -hmm. they'll have poetry or something that they want recited by some of our teen actors. So we align and yeah. we work together. And you know, Jan and I, Jan would be wonderful for your show actually. She's just a bundle Excellent. of joy. Yeah. Um, but she, she and I have often said like, you know, we're really the only two, one of the two of very few arts organizations in Coatesville. And we think that we've made it this long because we work together. Mm -hmm. We're not competing with each yep. other. We're saying, you know, how can There's we work together? There's enough room at the table for everyone. everyone. Absolutely. We say it all the time. Like if people could stop, you know, like you said before, you have to be aware of what your competitor is doing. That's yep. important. Absolutely. But it's not right. about being aware of it so you can knock them down or you push them out of their spot. It's mm -hmm. about us working together around the same table so we can build a full community. We can build all of those things. What you do and what someone else does can partner instead of having to clash against each other. Yeah. And so, right. so smart. So unbelievably smart. So Heather, yeah. what's your 30-second elevator pitch of why arts build social capital? Ooh, good question. Whether we realize it or not, the arts impact our lives on a daily basis. When you go to pick out a drink at the checkout line, an artist made that. When you're driving in the car and you're listening to music, an artist made that. Um, and when you're just grooving in your car, that is art. And sometimes I think that we take the arts as this high elitist thing that's only reserved for some people, but at the end of the day, we're participating in it constantly. And so arts through education has the ability to impact youth and adults positively as with creative thinking and um, communication devices and then also engaging in the arts by just simply going or trying something new there really is something for everyone out there and it is the fabric of the human experience and we need to bring attention to it so that way we can continue to storytell Damn, she's good. Love. All right, I'm gonna donate. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I got a theater organization. If you want to toss some money my way. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness, Heather, it has been delightful just as much as I knew it would be. I have to tell you, you know, there are times in life when you meet someone and I knew instantly. I sat there while you were vamping for results to come back when you were doing your intros of all of us, <laughs> all of those things, and I thought, this is a woman I'm meant to know. Yeah. And I really appreciate your time to, to oh share your gosh, knowledge. Oh my gosh, that is so kind. It's very yeah. true, and I look forward to a wonderfully long relationship of talking about arts and organizations and all kinds of things, and yeah. I'm so excited to see where Revival awesome. Productions goes. Oh, it's yeah. thank you so, so much. The feeling really is fun. mutual. Before but remember, we, we have three questions three before questions. we go. Absolutely. Right. So Jasmine kicks it off. Okay, so my first question for you is, what is your favorite coffee beverage? I love French vanilla cappuccinos. Ooh. Oh, wait, oh, wait. But if I'm, can I do my Starbucks of one? Of course you can. Because it's just different. <laughs> um, a venti mocha frappe with almond milk, no whipped cream. Excellent. Yeah. I love right. I love a good no in your order. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Shyla gets the second one, which is slightly more fun than mine. Yeah. Mom. So what is your favorite adult beverage? Um, hard cider. Oh, excellent. We have a lot of cider drinkers. We do have a lot of cider drinkers. Well, eventually here, when COVID <laughs> is through, we're going to have a giant reception mm-hmm. hosted by our yes! dear friend, Heather, mm-hmm. and we're going to have all of our wonderful guests, which we're approaching 40 guests now at this yeah. point. Oh, my I gosh. I know. It's Rock so stars. amazing. And when yeah. we do, we will make sure we have cider <laughs> yes. on the menu, my friend, cider. for sure. Yes. But we have one final question. It's actually our favorite question. Yes. And Shyla, kick it off. Yeah. So we want to know, Heather, what's your passion? Hmm. <laughs> it's not an easy one, I know, but you can see why it's our favorite. I would say my passion is um, encouraging my daughters and all of the other young daughters out there in the world that they can truly be anything that they want to be, put their minds to it, um, say no to people that will tell you you can't do it, and prove them wrong. Love it. Right. Absolutely love it. Most That's definitely. Right. So speaking of daughters, my daughter, Rosemary, and you would get along masterfully well. She has a master's <laughs> degree in arts administration. The two of you could chat for hours, I'm yeah. sure. So yeah. absolutely. I love so, it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I will make sure you guys meet. Well, Heather, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your time so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla. And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and Drunk Shallow. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink!